Hello everyone, this is David Dacry and welcome to the Open Bar Experience. Littered in between my, my, my 20s and 30s, um, there were a mess. Today's guest is Alfonso uh, Chablet, aka Alfonso Chabot. He is an industry professional of 20 years, uh, started off in restaurants, worked clubs, did uh, the party type of uh, Latin night that restaurants sometimes do. And um, we talk a little bit about everything that happens within the 20-year career, um, some of the habits that you pick up, as well as um, the lifestyle that uh, can sometimes be a burden on you. We also talk about his uh, online community, which is uh, Liquid Ninjas. This is a group that he started uh, years ago on Facebook, and it now has thousands of members in every city in Texas. So this conversation started with the sort of training that you used to have to go through in order to keep a job at a restaurant or a bar, in particular, the Papa's or Landry's. We both started in the same concept in Papa Mia's, which is uh, it was the Italian concept of the Papa's family here in uh, in Houston. And so let's get into that. All right, so uh, what is your name? Alfonso Chablet. Chablet? Yeah. Oh, everybody calls you Shable. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. And uh, what do you do? Uh, right now, uh, I'm the general manager for uh, uh, BB's uh, Texas Orleans Cafe out in Katy, but um, I spent the better part of uh, you know my uh, my adult life uh, behind the bar, slinging drinks. And uh, how'd you get started doing that? Man, so I guess I guess to start when I started bartending, you have to go back to when I started really in the restaurant industry. So I started my my mom and dad were both in the industry growing up. That's you know pretty much why they came to the United States. And then uh, um, when I turned old enough to start working. I started working as a busboy in a restaurant because it's what I knew um, growing up. And then by the time I turned 18, um, I, uh, I wanted to get up to the front of the house. So I started waiting tables and I started waiting tables for a, a Pappas concept here in Houston. Um, it was an Italian restaurant called Papa Mia's. Rich, which one? I Okay, so I worked at a... a Mia One, which was off of uh, Gessner and I Ten. I worked at Mia Two. Really? Yeah, it was my first job. Really? In the industry, yeah. I yeah I well so Mia Mia One closed down in nineteen ninety seven ninety yeah ninety seven halfway through and then I transferred over to Mia Two, uh, uh in uh nineteen ninety uh, uh eight yeah nineteen ninety seven ninety eight. Yeah, I was I was long gone by then because uh, it was it was short lived. Wow, <laughs> that's yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It so, was whenever they had just opened Mia Two. Yeah, I hadn't been open long at all. Mm -hmm. uh, I was there less than a year. It was my first job. Like that's it just broke me in. And then from there, I went to Dave and Buster's, and that's a completely entirely different story because that place was something else back then. That is crazy. Yeah. So. So with the Papas, you know, as you obviously know, you know, there's a there's a sort of a, a um, hierarchy within the restaurant. You know, you start off as a server, and then you can work your way up to a trainer, and then after that, you know, they'll they'll either 
let you become a head waiter or give you a chance to become a bartender. You know, so they're all promotions along the way. You know, um, I had already I had already started as a head weight. After being a head weight, they uh, they gave me the opportunity to to start training behind the bar, and um, and I loved it. I mean, I I remember I remember my first shift behind the bar, very first shift behind the bar. Um, I was back there. And, you know, I'm learning where everything is and there's all these bottles and I'm spending a lot of time just watching uh, uh, the, the bartenders that are training me, you know, work. And I never actually imagined myself behind the bar up until that point of actually being behind the bar. And it just seemed like a whole whole different perspective on the restaurant. Just looking out into the restaurant, it just looked looked different to me, but, but it was kind of cool. And I remember... Uh, um, uh, the bartender that trained me, I can't remember his name, Kevin, Kevin Timrick. Okay. Kevin Timrick. I thought it was Ken Decker. No, 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 it wasn't Ken Decker. It was Kevin Timrick. And, uh, and he, uh, uh, he said, well, one of the very first things you need to know about bartending is what you're selling. And he told me that I needed to try everything out, you know, to get a taste of it. And we were allowed to try things. I mean, we weren't allowed to have like shots or anything. We weren't allowed to drink behind the bar. So we poured just a little tiny bit of a, of a couple of the bourbons for me to try. And I was like, okay, okay. Then he poured a little tiny bit of like all the tequilas for me to try. And I was like, okay. And then he did the vodkas. And then he did the rums. And I'm 19 at the time. Oh, shit. I'm 19. So by the end of that shift, I tasted like, you know maybe like an eighth of an ounce of everything that was that was up there i had a buzz that day my very first <laughs> shift behind the bar and i had a buzz leaving the leaving the thing i'll, I'll never forget that it was it was the first it was the first time i ever drank at work <laughs> oh <laughs> and it was a little bit of air and you mixed everything oh my god it was horrible <laughs> yeah yeah no i remember uh yeah papa mia's it was that real intense uh, training. Yeah. Like you said, there was a hierarchy. Like you had to accomplish certain things before you moved on to the next one. Mm -hmm. And I just, I wasn't any good. I mean, I was really, <laughs> really bad. Like I would forget stuff. I would get caught up talking to tables. Like I was yeah. the, what you would imagine, a bad waiter. Yeah. You know, just not just to the table, but a pain in the ass to work with. <laughs> that was me. And that was me for several years. Until, you know, I, I caught on to it. But it was uh, that training right there was pretty much what set me up to work in a lot of different places because you were required to know the details. <clears throat> and so even in places where the details weren't necessarily what they were known for, like that was always my approach. No, I, I definitely drank the Kool-Aid. I was a company guy. For the two and a half years that I worked for them, you know, I was uh, I was hardcore about training the steps of service. I mean, we I still remember I, I run into people from from Papa's uh, uh, working within the company that I work for now, and and a lot of our uh, upper level upper level management and executive team were all either GMs or or, or you know uh, KMs for the Papas at one point. So the background I have with them, even at at a young age, you know, twenty one years ago. You know, you don't forget that. You know, it was one of those places that that trained people with the skill sets to do well in any other 
place. And that's something that was really rare because there was a long, there was a, there was a very, very good chunk of time where, where whenever I would go to a new job or, or whenever I would meet other people in the industry in higher positions, whether it was a, it was a restaurant or like a hotel, not so much in the club industry, but, but, but sometimes as the bartenders, you know, and, and, and if I would ask them, you know, where they got started, a lot of people back from that generation, back from, from the, from the nineties, early two thousands, mid nineties, they, uh, uh, they came from the Pappas. All right. So that's pretty much the training that used to exist. And, you know, he goes on to tell me a little bit more, more about some of the other restaurants that he had worked at. He was at the, uh, worked in some places downtown whenever there was the first revival for downtown, which was uh, the Super Bowl that we had in 2004. And then moving on into club bartending and things like that. Um, he, we skip, we're going to skip over to when there's a change in the style of bartending that he's doing. And not just the type of bartending, but his perception of bartending. Bartending at this place called Me Luna. Oh, really? Yeah, I attended bar at, at Me Luna. Oh, and we, I was actually reminiscing about this place not too long ago. It's still there. I actually took my mom for her birthday there a couple of days ago, and uh, and it's a it's a Spanish tapas bar. And on Thursdays they would do a Latin night. They would get rid of all the tables, and we'd be open till two, and we would throw down. And that was my first taste of the rock star bartender life <laughs> that was that was the first time that i that i leveraged being the bartender into getting girls numbers into you know uh, dates into 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 a a, a a certain amount of popularity in the area you know um i did that for 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 about a year and a half there I made some great friends that I'm still friends with and talk to. Like I said, I was reminiscing with some with some buddies on social media uh, uh, over that. You know, these are the kind of guys that 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 you know we bonded with, and a couple of them aren't with us anymore. You know, um, and we were talking about that as well. But uh, but from there, there was no turning back after that. You know, after 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 getting a taste of that that type of uh, of lifestyle of of the music getting that was the first time that I tended bar in an entirely fun way you know it was fun bartending at other places but it was still work and I liked work so I I liked doing it but when I was working at Miluna I was having fun and I looked forward to the fun right that's the hook though right yeah where it's like you're getting paid to have fun exactly right you're getting paid to be the life of the party mm -hmm. throw the party because you're right there's a certain level of popularity that then people come to see you mm -hmm. you know you start doing a shot and that leads into you know the sometimes what in the uh southwest conference at usbg there was one seminar it's called the dark side of the industry wow it had to do with rehab and 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 people that come sober became sober yeah. because there was a little bit too much of that and I, I actually I say a little bit but it's never a little bit once you go past <laughs> I mean there's a lot there's a fun there's a way to have a yeah. really good time at work and then there's that thing to where you just you're having a drink at work then you're having a drink after work 
sometimes we have a drink before work so you can you know uh with friends and you kind of uh pre-gaming yeah. for it and then you drink because you're off so you're days off you so seven days a week And then you take one day off. It's like, yeah, yeah, but I didn't drink yesterday. Exactly. So suddenly, <laughs> so suddenly you're good. Suddenly, yeah, you're good. It's this, this balance. Well, you know, and and that's that's. It's funny you mentioned that because so so after working in Miluna, I got sort of, you know, I, I made, had a reputation with the bar bars bar owners that would come by and some of the other bartenders, and we would go see each other after work, and they would come and grab a bite and take shots with me before work, and 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 that started off a string of of club bartending gigs, you know, a string of club bartending gigs that, 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 that I went on to do that. And yeah, that dark side played a big part in it, you know, um, because now, now I'm, now it's 2001, 2002, and I'm, and I'm, you know, I've already had a DUI arrest. So in the next segment, we get into what it is that, happens whenever you get into the dark side of the lifestyle what does that mean that means you start to get three four drinks in you before you go to work maybe get a bump maybe uh drink while you're at work maybe another bump so you don't get too fucked up and then you keep partying uh after work then it becomes on uh, your days off yada 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 before you know it a couple of years have passed and uh You can't keep a job. You're constantly broke, regardless of how much money you make. Uh, you're couch surfing, and um, you probably end up with a uh, police record. And now it's it's I'm 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 bartending, you know, and uh, in, in downtown and in a couple places in in Midtown and Midtown starting to come up, you know. And now I'm working at only nightclub places that open up at nine and ten, and we're going and doing after hours till six, seven in the morning with other bartenders and other people in the industry. And we're doing cocaine, you know, I'm experimenting with a lot of other harder drugs, um, stuff that doesn't really stick, but stuff that I dabble in every once in a yeah. while, you know. Um, the cocaine was a problem, the the drinking, but giving myself a day or two, I always thought I was better, you know. <laughs> and, and, and and since, and here's, 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 where, here's where it gets you, you know. You think everybody does it. You know, in the back of your mind, you think you drink just like every other bartender, or, or you're doing it just like every other bartender, and that's and that's sort of a sort of sort of what, what what ended up happening to me. You know, there was there was there was a couple of times where where I I actually made a conscious effort to get away from that lifestyle. You know, uh, back in I want to say 2004, I actually left club bartending because I told myself that that you know working uh, in a in a restaurant environment would be better for me oh uh, yeah so then this is what is known as relocating the problem a lot of times whenever you have an addiction you constantly are negotiating with yourself that well if i'm not in this place then i won't do it if i'm not hanging out with these people then i won't be doing it and the truth of the matter is that it has nothing to do with where you are It has something to do with the people that you're around, but it has everything to do with with you and what it is that you are numbing with the whatever addiction is. So, so I took so I took some time to go work at at, at a restaurant, you know, and then and then I uh, uh, found that you know I was still drinking just as much, if not more, partying just as much, if not more than than I was before. So I was like, okay, well maybe if I just switch to restaurants. 
And then I ended up working up at this sushi place farther down, down in the, uh, uh, in the area that I was working at. And that place, that place was, was, was really cool. But again, I just, I, I, at this place, I was just bored. I just, I felt like, I felt like I was, I was way better of a bartender than that. And sure enough, in 2006, I started working uh, uh, at a nightclub again um, down in Midtown, uh, Escobar. And uh, and I worked at Escobar. And I worked for that company. I worked for that company for those guys for, for a little over three years. You know, I opened up I opened up a couple places with them. I opened up a country bar called Whiskey Creek. I opened up a, a, a sort of a, a patio sports lounge area called Cobain. Um, I worked at their at their uh, high-end club called Knox that they opened up after they sold Escobar. Um, I worked at their beer, um, their beer bar, uh, Taps. And then, I, and then you know, farther down the line, I, I worked at a couple of their other places, you know, sort of pick up shifts, you know, uh, situations. But, but I, worked for, I worked for those guys for, for, for a long time. Um, but, you know, at this point, now I'm, now I'm in my, my late 20s, late 20s, you know, you know, 30s are right around the corner and, uh, and I'm making great money. You know, things, things are going fantastic. But, uh, but, you know, uh, the, the, the drinking, the, the drinking definitely started to change, you know, the, 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 the atmosphere so slowly started to change now. Uh, the, the atmosphere, atmosphere itself or you and the way you perceive it? I don't, you know, I, if, if I want to be honest, everything was probably the same. It was probably me, you know, um, waking up with, with more regret you know, working to make up the money that I spent the night before, yeah. you know, uh, there's, there's this, there's this, there's this sort of myth that I think all servers and bartenders fall into, um, sometimes, sometimes not all, sometimes we fall into where we think that if we go out and party and spend all of our money that we just have to work another shift and we get that money back, you know, we just make it up by working more. You know, I should make it up. You just have to work more to get to, to, yeah. to get the balance sheet all right. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, and sometimes but, you're working a slow shift. And yeah. You're mad because you have to work two shifts. Yeah. Which is just creates stress and another reason to go drinking. And I was, uh, I was, I was making. Here's what I don't understand. I was making three hundred, two hundred to three hundred dollars a night, but yet I was always broke. <laughs> and I still don't know how that exactly happened. But I'm pretty sure. What kind of math that was? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was late for rent. Um, sometimes I didn't have food in the fridge, but I was really good at partying on my day off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, in the end, in the end, you know, it wasn't about geography. I think, I think that I got caught up in, a, in, in that type of lifestyle, and uh, I was going to make that type of lifestyle happen. You know. Part of the reason why I think that I thought that everyone drank like me was because I was only attracted to people that drank like me. Right. So I was always surrounded by the people that I wanted to fit into my lifestyle. Right. You know, there's a reason why I didn't, I didn't, you know, date day walkers, you know, <laughs> there's a reason why I didn't, why I didn't, why I only dated bartenders that, that would hang out with me till five, six in the morning, you know, because those are the only girls that, that could hang, you know, and yeah. if a girl couldn't hang, I mean, 
what yeah. the hell? You're just killing the party. Yeah. <laughs> what, I mean, what are you doing? I mean, that's just asking for a breakup, you know? So then, I mean, that's that's a pretty long stretch there. Yeah. Um, you know, bartending, partying, just getting deeper into the scene. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, do you drink now? No. So, so... You know, there was things that weren't necessarily, that didn't necessarily make me a, a, a bad person, you know, in the eyes of my friends, in the eyes of the people I work for, in the eyes of the, the, the people that I hung out with, you know, getting DUIs wasn't, you know, uh, uh, some sort of indictment on my character for, for the culture I was in, you know. Um, again, you know, you, you surround yourself with people who all do what you're doing and no one thinks you're doing anything wrong because you're doing what they're doing. Right, right. Okay. Um, so, I mean, because it could ha- easily happen to them. Yeah, 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 and and a lot of times it had, you know, um, probation, going to jail, traffic ticket warrants. I never paid traffic tickets, so I typically spent, you know, every year I'd probably spend at least one or two nights in jail from from the age I was like twenty five to thirty. Oh yeah, wow. yeah. If I average it out, that's what it that's what it comes out to. I don't think I ever had one single year in, in, in my early adult life where I didn't go to jail. One calendar year wow. where I didn't go to jail at least once. Um, you know, you start blacking out once a month, once every blue moon, you know, whatever. And then it doesn't get better. It just, it just, it just keeps going because, you know, you, you, you say you have a tolerance, but realistically what it is is that you've learned to pass yourself off you know, in your inebriated state to other people. Um, you've learned how to keep your balance when you're walking through a door. You've learned how to, how to you know, I used to say that my car, uh, um, uh, my car was on autopilot and knew how to get me home. <laughs> <laughs> that I was, that I was lucky my car knew the way home. <laughs> um, uh, but, but with all those things, you know, you know, I kept on, I kept on thinking that, that that I drank just like just like other bartenders, and that's that's really that's really what what kept me going for a long long time, you know, and uh, the fact it, that it was normal. Yeah, the fact that it that, that in it your just, in your mind, not the fact, but the, the yeah yeah the the, the idea, idea the idea, and so and so I got those arrests, and and then then the blackouts started getting more regular, and and I told myself lots of different things, you know, I I uh, I told myself that that I was. Uh, I was only going to drink on my days off. I wasn't going to drink after work, you know, with the bartenders at the bar or whatever, or go to after hours or do whatever. Go to Taqueria. Man, how many late nights did I spend at the Taqueria drinking Dos Equis out of styrofoam cups <laughs> till six in the morning, you know? Um, God, I remember this 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 this, uh, this one Taqueria that we went to, uh, we used to go to uh, uh, on Thursdays after me, Luna. Me and all the bartenders, we'd stay stick around drinking till like five, six in the morning, and we'd always meet up on Thursdays with a bunch of strippers that would get off because we could. <laughs> and so we'd have this long ass table of bartenders and strippers drinking till like six sounds, in the morning. Sounds about right, man. At, at the taqueria, um, but yeah, so 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 it all seemed commonplace. The blackouts started getting worse. I started having to apologize a lot more. I started having to text message people, you know, hey, what happened last night? Started waking up with little bruises, big bruises, you know, asking people what happened. Um, I started waking up feeling guilty sometimes and not knowing why. I remember this one time. 
I was working at this restaurant in the Galleria. This was probably around 2009. And, uh, and I woke up and I didn't remember anything from the night before after I got cut, cut from the bar I was working at. And it must have been like, I guess I got cut at like around 10 or so. And I must have pounded hard because I don't remember anything else after that. And I woke up the next morning and I felt guilty. This is where the reality check needs to happen. When you start to black out on a regular basis and wake up, whether you're at home or somewhere else, and you can't remember how you got there, and it's noon and you can't remember what happened before midnight, then there's an issue that you need to address. Pants, my work pants were still on. <laughs> my wallet was on the floor. Um, and I get on my phone and I start, you know, texting people and no one, no one texts me back. And so I start getting nervous, you know, because it's like, it's like 1230 and people should be up and no one's writing me back. And so I have this, just this anxiety, this crazy anxiety. I'm going stir crazy. Mind you, I still can't get out of bed because I'm so hungover. I just, I just lay in bed. I'm just sitting there tossing and turning and imagining what could have happened. And finally, uh, 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 my manager, he sends me a text message back. He says, bro, what happened to you last night? We put you in a cab and sent you home. I was like, good. He's like, he's like, no, not good. He punched a hole through the wall. I go, what? He's like, yeah, call me. So I call him back and he tells me that just randomly as, 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 as all the other bartenders were doing checkout and I was there till, till like 2.30, you know, people are starting to count their money and we were upstairs and just something stupid popped into my head and I just punched through the drywall of one of the walls. And he said, he's the, the, my manager told me, he's like, he's like, listen, I'm not going to tell the owners, but you need to come up here and fix that wall. He knew that I knew how to do drywall. <laughs> so that came in handy that day. No <laughs> so I, I, I went to Home Depot. I got my ass out of bed. I went to Home Depot, got some of the, uh, uh, the restaurant. The bar wasn't scheduled to open till like eight. So I went up there early, patched up the the, uh, the drywall, put a fresh coat of paint on it. We weren't going to open the upstairs that night, so I thought I was covered. Well, the owner ends up finding out about it, you know, one way or another. Maybe one of the bartenders mentioned it or whatever. So I ended up getting suspended for a weekend. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So stuff like that just started getting, started, started happening more and more often. And, uh, and... You know how I mentioned that that you know I only hung out with girls that could that could hang. Well, slowly but surely, you know, even the heavy drinking girls couldn't handle how much of a douchebag I was when I drank. So I started hanging out with uh, with girls that were just more and more like me, you know. Oh. And so that meant a very particular type of self-destructive, <laughs> uh, albeit charming type of woman. I used to say I only date girls that smell like rumplements and cigarettes. <laughs> to this day, that's a that's a strange combination that'll just kind of like pique my interest. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, I, it, it's it's a it's this weird, crazy Pavlovian thing. But, yeah, no doubt. But but well, uh, you mentioned rumplement, so let's get into that. Yeah. So that was the liquid ninja shot for the longest time. It was. It was. It was. And know? I can walk into a bar. Where I wasn't greeted with a shot of that. I uh, w when I made my first trips to, to 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 San Antonio to visit some of the group members uh, out there, you know, um, some of the friends that I had made, you know, I would walk into a bar in in, in San Antonio and and you know I'd have a shot of Rumplemans just waiting for me, you know, you know it, it was uh, 
I was that closely associated with drinking Rumplemans and people that were my friends or people that, that knew of, uh, of our little circle, you know, uh, would associate Rumplemans drinking with that. You know, it was, it was kind of how we bonded, you know, it was kind of how we, how we uh, shook hands, so to speak, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, let's get some Rumplemans and, 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 you know, um, that was the, 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 you know, in the craft industry is the uh, hope for net. Yeah. Well, yeah, with that, the liquid ninjas, it was the Rumplemans and man, I can't tell you the times I've woken up during that time that I woke up and I could still feel the, uh, the mint, breath oh yeah yeah, yeah. Like, there's something refreshing and gross about this oh at the same time man simultaneously yeah yeah no uh, um so now we get into the liquid ninja phenomenon which is a facebook page that he started just to keep up with some friends and now has thirteen thousand members on it and uh and then when 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 i started liquid ninjas which is that the, the online community the online you know network of bartenders you know, suddenly I put all of my bartender friends into one social network to communicate with everyone. And at first it, it was that, but then it sort of morphed into a, a sort of a, a, a hub for making plans and getting, getting in touch with each other and going to seeing where we were working. And then we started sort of connecting on that level. You know, so now you're connecting with all these other bartenders through social media and you have access to, to people that want to meet you and people that want to meet other bartenders. And and suddenly there's there's this 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 whole community of individuals that share a lifestyle and they want more people to share in that lifestyle with, you know. Uh, bartenders are like this fraternal order, you know, whether yeah. you're, whether you're a, a craft bartender or you're in a dive bar or, 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 or whether you work in a restaurant in a neutral setting, you meet another bartender at a coffee shop and suddenly both of you smile and you want to shake each other's hands yeah. because you get it, Yeah, you know, you just get it. You know, you meet, you meet a bartender at the airport and all of a sudden, you strike up a conversation. You meet a bartender at, at Walmart, you know, and, and suddenly, you know, oh yeah, I'll come see you. I'll come visit you, you know. And and uh, and Liquid Ninjas was that for a while, you know. It was it was sort of a sort of a, a hub uh, that kept growing and growing and growing, you know, for the Houston area bartenders. And then when it started growing for the San Antonio area bartenders and then Austin, you know, it, it sort of uh, it sort of started started uh, expanding on that. Of the reasons why, why why Facebook I feel is so perfect is because you know I touched on I touched on on uh, on sort of my path you know and and sort of the, the dark road that it led on and and the addiction that developed the alcoholism the 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 the, the hard drug addiction that really did become and then and then and then afterwards you know the consequences of that and the experiences that I went through, which led me into recovery, you know, which led me into, into where I am now, five and a half years sober. And then I start seeing people question, bring up questions, bring up topics, serious topics that are, are not unlike my experiences, 
but but with 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 different things and, and let me let me explain you know one of the things that that i have seen touched on is sort of a taboo subject but but has been brought up on social media especially through through facebook you know um sexual harassment in the workplace you know the kind of uh, the kind of of uh, of experiences that are that are endured by 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 some of the female bartenders out there you know is it is is really really shocking you know but these are these are experiences and these are these are topics that wouldn't get explored by a larger audience without social media you know and and it brings that into question you know um the abuses that certain owners trickle down to their employees you know uh, uh exploitation you know uh wage in you know this the theft of wage you know to certain people you know uh, uh working conditions you know uh those kind of like serious topics tend to be taboo yeah in in our industry we don't talk about really really abusive owners we don't talk about the 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 seedy underbelly even in normal restaurants you know the 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 uh the sexual predation that goes on sometimes you know we don't talk about the 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 substance abuse you know we don't talk about about the the commonality of these events and how 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 complacent we become to them you know this industry and that's one of the things that, that I really like about about the online community and, and especially on Facebook is because it gives people a chance to share their story completely and and it gives people the opportunity to either say I didn't know this happened I didn't know this was going on or it gives people a chance to say hey this happened to me too you're not alone you know it gives people the opportunity to see something they wouldn't otherwise see hear someone's voice in whatever message or context it's in and say wow you know i can't believe this in some instances it goes public and and other people share in it and in some instances it stays within the group and you know maybe it gets lost but if one person remembers it goes back and finds that 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 post or that comment you know um I'd like to think that one of the greatest things that 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 can that can come of creating an online community that's growing, such as the one that we have with Liquid Ninjas, is the fact that that aside from all of the all of the the cheesy bartending gripes and complaints, every once in a while there's a nugget that someone can take out of it and use for something helpful and constructive in a way to change this industry for a positive. Let me use an example real quick. So, my girlfriend, um, she's a bartender as well. And uh, she was working as a cocktail server at this one um, bar in the uh, in in sort of the uh, the uh, Greenway River Oaks type area, and so they paid their servers as independent contractors, so they got no hourly wage. Which, from my understanding, I'm not an attorney, I'm not a a, a, a Department of Labor sp you know spokesperson. But I have dealt with the Department of Labor under this, this certain situation. As a general manager in the past, 
I had to deal with a situation where the labor, de- labor department specifically told me that servers have to be considered tipped employees and have to be tipped the 213 wage. It's a large company. It's a, it's a company that, that, that's kind of intimidating, you know, um, that, that if they tell you that you want to work here and you want to make money here, you have to sign off on this for the opportunity to work here and make the money that our waitresses and our bartenders make, you know? Um, they don't specifically say that, but that's the, uh, the understanding that goes into it. So you agree to it. So you forgo the hourly wage that they're supposed to be paying you. They obviously get the benefit of not having to pay taxes on, on your, on your, you know, on your wages. They're, 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 you know, creating whatever, you know, uh, fraud that, that they may or may not be creating, you know, they're, they're doing that. They're getting a big benefit from it. Those are the kinds of things that, that we should be talking about, you know, um, we had a post one time in, in, in the group about this one, uh, particular company that was, uh, that was under suspicion for, for uh, uh, promoting racism at the door, you know, um, uh, not letting African Americans or minorities in, and as as more and more people commented on the owner, a few women came out and started speaking about negative experiences they had with the owner himself. Sexual advances, you know, uh, uh, really really crude, you know, uh, uh, referencing of, of women and, and and stuff like that. But nobody brought it up. Nobody took it a step further. No one, no one, you know, did anything about it because these are all things that are sort of taboo. In this case, in this case, the owners, the companies, the 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 the, uh, the places we work at almost have this looming presence over us. And in a city like Houston, where there are more job openings than there are people to fill them right now, you know, we we're we're. Houston really needs more quality yeah. service industry employees out there, you know. Um, Desperately, and and we we have a lot more power as of the workforce than 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 uh, than the upper management, you know, lets on. The irony is, I am upper management of the place I work at, yeah. but but it's a, but it's a truth, you know. I think the workforce. I think the workforce needs to be more vocal about about in in not just in Houston just all across the board you know yeah the industry in general I mean being blackballed and all of a sudden people are like oh you posted this thing so or for instance I worked at a place that was charging a uh, half a percent this is in the 90s half a percent breakage fee oh wow so and then we, this, this is back whenever you got paid out every night Mm-hmm. So it's hard for them to steal from you. Now it's easy because it's on paychecks. There's a lot less transparency now than there used to be then whenever you get paid every night because you look at your tips, you look at your tip up, this is how much you owe me, and this is how much I have in my pocket, right? So it was uh, simpler. But we had a food runner tip out. We had a busser tip out. We had a bartender tip out. We had a hostess tip out. Um, and then we had the breakage tip out. In total, it was about 5%. And we're still making money and, it, and you're right it was one of those places like if you want to make money you come in here you know between 5 and 10 
5 and 11 because, you know, it was a restaurant that closed early, steakhouse, you know, you uh, make 200 $230. This is 90s, man. My rent at that time was like 450 in the Montrose area. In the Montrose area. Okay, 450 garage apartment. So keep your eye on your money is basically what that what we were just trying to say right there. And that is, um, you know, as far as I know, in the state of Texas, breakage is a cost of doing business. It is not a cost that you pass on to your staff. Anyhow, um, that's the interview with Alfonso. I feel like he 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 shared a lot uh, of personal uh, details about what he was looking for is to to have a bit of a cautionary tale for people that are young uh, coming into this industry and just getting started that um, you know it's all glitz and glamour up to the point whenever you know you start spending time in jail you start losing your car losing your apartment doing all these you know, constantly going through breakups. As uh, flashy as that may seem in the movies, you know, it's also emotionally draining. And so that's that. Uh, I'm going to let Alfonso have the last word uh, in this uh, episode. So take care. And we're at a point now where, where if we all have the same thoughts, we all have the same concerns, we all have the same needs. We are at a point in time now where we can reach out to each other and connect, touch base, and plan something out. And I don't think we've we've done that yet, you know. But uh, but we're at that point where we could, you know, whatever that may be, whether it's for a a, a change in in, in 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 benefits, whether it's addressing addiction whether it's addressing social issues, you know, uh, we're at a point now where, where if we want to, to make it known that we are intelligent, capable, and, and thought-provoking members of our communities, not just in the service industry, but in the city where we live, we can do that now. We can do that now. And even though we have these, these online communities and we have, you know, USBG and we have all these different groups and all these different, we haven't done that yet. We haven't done that yet. We haven't we haven't created a change. We've made little changes to things, but we haven't made any real impact. And I think that that that's where that's what that's that's a responsibility that we still have to carry on. I agree. I agree. Thank you. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. Buddy.